You're listening to the AFL Unlimited podcast, where we tackle all the hot topics in the AFL and bring you up to speed with everything you need to know in the football landscape. We'll take a look at this weekend's games and have some mixed discussion about what to expect. Let's head up to the box for the opening bounce. It was a massive week in the AFL landscape as finals are just around the corner and the snakes and ladders of the season continue to mystify right up until the very end. The MRO is a continual source of debate. The Western torch has officially been passed. The Giants are somehow mounting a finals charge after a horror season and the Dogs have left themselves in a precarious position as the top four will only be known right until the death. Chuck, thank you for joining me. I'm glad to actually be able to make it this time. Uh, It should be a good episode. I'm excited for some of these topics. We missed your segue skills last week, so it's good to have you back. And Tiz, always good to have you as well. Good evening, Jake and Riley. It's just a pleasure to be here on the platform. (laughs) It was was probably one of the biggest, probably one of the biggest weeks of the year so far this year. Uh, getting really close to the spicy end and finals and the ramifications are getting huge, Chuck. Yeah, it's crazy. All things spice and all things not so nice as well. <laughs> We've had a Tom Hawkins and a Dom Sheed have been caught up with a few little, I don't know, little, you know, controversial uh, attacks or decisions that were made against them or for them really in the MRO because Despite doing what many have considered suspendable offences, they've both gotten off. Uh, I think she may have just copped a fine for what he did and Tomahawk got off completely scot-free. Langers, I know you've got a few thoughts on this one. Yeah, look, the Hawkins one, I would have been happy for him to get a week, to be honest, but the precedent has been set this year with the Holman tackle on Duncan incident uh, this year. So, look, that's just how inconsistent the MRO has been so far. Um, I just think there's been decisions which happened early in the year, which is now costing uh, the league in general because players aren't getting suspended because of the precedent, which I think is really frustrating. And it's frustrating for fans. It's frustrating for, you know, Geelong supporters and Hawkins itself because he's now getting, you know, hate because he's, he's getting off and Geelong are a protected species. But really, they sort of porthole them, themselves, the AFL, by putting this, this system in place, Tiz, and... Uh, it's, uh, it's going to cost, you know, teams in the AFL further as the year goes on because, like I said, they've sort of put themselves into, into a corner on this one. Yeah, I was surprised uh, that it didn't get anything at all. I'm, I'm not sure if Holman got uh, a fine in the end or if he just got, uh, just got the whole case thrown out and it was all fine to go. But, yeah, Hawk was the, – the action itself, um, I mean, the outcome wasn't great, uh, and especially when players get concussed as a result of another player's actions – Generally, they look at that and you know, give you a, a pretty harsh sort of sentence. But, um, yeah, the good thing with, I suppose, Hawks tackle is that it wasn't two actions. He wasn't changing his motion. It was completely one motion, desperate diving tackle. And, um, yeah, for, unfortunately for, um, yeah, the St Kilda player wasn't able to, um, yeah, take part in the rest of the game. So, yeah, we, we want to see less of those if we can. Accidents happen, though, and I think that's, that's a, the key takeaway out of that. Um, yeah, it, and yeah, Holman obviously got it, it was all good after um, Duncan's tackle, which concussed him. Uh, Chuck, yeah, I was just gonna say I, I'm not really a fan of the. I think they should scrap the checks and the boxes and, and the grading system. Really, to be honest, because I think it's so hard to to judge the grey areas when it comes to having a, an easy check and box. Oh, it was high contact. It was medium. It was intentional. All that sort of likes. 
I'm not a fan of that. I would actually prefer if they just sat down and just, I don't care if it's subjective, just look at the incident in itself, write down your thoughts and just tell us. I, I think it's suspendable. Here's the reasons why. I think you should go get off. This is the reasons why. Because I think the checkboxes and that, it's just too complex and too many things that don't deserve weeks are getting weeks and, and others are getting off because they weren't high enough grade or, or contact and the likes. And I don't know, Langers, what would you prefer to be seeing? I think it really needs to come down to just footy acts versus non-footy acts. And, you know, the Sheed one this week where he's been given three grand for a deliberate punch to a stomach, that just that just should be two weeks straight up. You can't deliberately be, you know, bumping, um, elbowing, punching any place. You know, Selwood included from a couple of weeks ago where he deliberately chose to bump and he's lucky that Sam Taylor wasn't injured. That, those sort of things just need to be a week at minimum to start for a deliberate, like that's not part of the game at all. So why are we letting that off? Three grand fine is nothing to an AFL player. So there's obviously room for accidents. And I think Hawkins tackle wasn't deliberately trying to harm uh, Derek Joyce, but uh, it certainly was a big uh, tackle for sure. And there obviously needs to be some room for accidents, but that, yeah. that I think there needs to be some leeway, but yeah, we can't just have, you know, footy non-footy acts just passing through and getting fined tis yeah nice things this conversation just frustrates me because just week after week we just get bam- bamboozling decisions um i think the sheep one that that's got to be a week or two um you either got to give players a week or multiple weeks or massive fines what we've found so far is these crummy little you know, two thousand dollar fines, three thousand dollar fines. They'll, they'll they'll have that sitting in the you know in the what in their um ashtray like yeah. <laughs> in their car down or the side like of that. the couch. Yeah, yeah, literally, like it's just absolute peanuts for um you know footy players on you know multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Again, it'll hurt a little bit, but it's it's not enough to deter behaviour. And, and I wonder if you know Chris O's a little bit like David Tegan that has he got just a shocking system around him. Does he have the ability to change the system? Um, is that up to the, the chief footy manager? I want, um, you know, obviously I'm trying to think uh, he's moved, oh, Hocking obviously moved to Geelong. I wonder if in, does the footy manager role there set up the system? Who sets up the MRO? Does the MRO have the ability to change the system? It, until it changes, um, we'll continually get frustrated with, inconsistencies and decisions that uh, are probably going to be incorrect and just cause uh, more heartache for fans and more fury on the keyboards. But um, yeah, until that system changes, we'll, we'll continually yeah, get frustrated and incorrect results. Yeah. Shook. You're too right there. Tears. And I just can't get my mind off the Macca's new loose item menu of uh, get out of jail free card. Apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, we, we, you talked about accidents and accidents need to happen, Langers, in football. And and there's a couple of teams or a, a particular team that we follow who are, are ruining an accident that happened at training. And Tom Stewart's going to be out for, it looks like, the rest of the season. And we'll touch on that a bit more in the game review, I believe. But it, it seems to be happening more more and more, all these injuries coming up. Uh, Blakey, another crucial player for the Swans, who's who's now looking to be out for the season. It, it's It's really wild that this keeps happening. And... You'd hope the cats will kind of need to shuffle around some some magnets on the board to try and figure out what to what to do in the the coming weeks, and they've got less time than ever to figure it out because the AFL has just come in and, and made the announcement that well the bye week's gone. 
guys. And I know, Tiz, you definitely weren't a fan of the buy when it was around before finals. It's It's been scrapped, but also kind of been moved. They're looking to actually maybe place it later on during finals if they if the if the occasion does arise. So, Tiz, not a fan of the buy. I'm wondering what you're thinking of it now being gone and possibility of it coming back later on in the yeah, it's oh, what a decision. Oh, the cats had a little bit of um, buy issues of of late. Not not uh, this year and last year though. However, it seems that those buy demons have maybe gone away momentarily. We've won our last two after the buy, which is good. Oh, yeah, after the buy. I think that's when it generally is the case. Uh, but onto a more footy level, I, I've never liked it um, because it just gives other teams uh, probably an unfair advantage and more so just doesn't really make the incentive to finish uh, top four as well. If you're a top four side, you win the first week, you play one game in three weeks, uh, which I think is a massive disadvantage. Players love playing each and every week and especially finals. You don't want to flirt with uh, your form as well whilst in the finals. Uh, you don't want to be playing great footy and then you've got to rest all of a sudden and you come up against a team that's played, you know, really a hardened team that's played three or four weeks on the trot and then you've just played one in three weeks. It really can impact your ability to play your absolute best footy. And it's been around since obviously the 2016 season. And you get the first time ever a team, you know, from outside the top four winning the flag. Um, obviously, there was a different final system when the Crows won back-to-back in 97 and 98 uh, where they lost, but they were still able to play because they, everyone played a qualifying final or something back then. So that was pretty bizarre. But... Yeah, during the final system since 2000, um, first time that the teams won outside the top four. And we want to be favouring the teams that have done the work prior to that to be able to give them that licence that week off. And I, I don't like it at all, Langs. Yeah, it's probably the one year that Geelong actually wanted it to happen to get a couple of their star players back. They need all the time they can get. But it's just really unfortunate to see you know, teams getting injuries in general this time of the year, it's it's the worst time to get it because, you know, if, if you're doing knees and stuff like that, we saw with Bruce a couple of weeks ago, you're, you're missing all of next year too. But obviously, you know, in, integral injuries to a, a team can really throw off, you know, your finals and grand final aspirations and only takes, you know, one, you know, broken foot or whatever and your best player's gone and, you know, you can pretty much kiss a flag goodbye. So, We'll move on to our next segment, which is the untouched moment of the week. And something I wanted to touch on was an amazing moment in the derby. Uh, Sarong's goal, which we all saw, was probably the goal of the year contender to date, which was amazing in itself. But the play along the pocket there, which saw the ball go out of bounds briefly, uh, looked like uh, Adam Chera took the ball out of bounds. But I just wanted to highlight one moment from Mitch Croden who's a nuggety little sort of mid-forward for the Dock. He's been around for a few years now, and he's sort of gone under the radar. He's come in, I think, with uh, Frio's injuries throughout this year. But he had an amazing uh, piece of play where he grabbed the ball, shrugged a couple of tackles, and, and kept that handball chain going, which really opened up the play and allowed Sarong to, to get on the end of that ball. And he, he, of course, fell over, and the Eagles just watched him get up and kick the goal, which was crazy in itself. But I just thought that was a great moment, and those – those passages of play, you know, can be the difference between, you know, Sarong kicking that goal and just being a ball up and, you know, maybe the Eagles go down the other end and kick the goal, which I just thought was a great uh, moment to, to look at. And if you, you'll probably be looking at that goal again all throughout the week. So if you do look at it, just have a look at that 
crowd and uh, handball and just his his calmness there to get the ball going on. I thought it was a great moment. But that leads us into the review of that game specifically. And Chuck, you've got the review. Yes, it was an interesting one to watch the the derby slash derby slash whatever they call it down in WA. Um, and yeah, it was a bit of a reversal of what we've kind of expected in the last few years. West Coast, you know, to have I think seemingly tend to beat the Dockers, but I was uh, confident enough to tip Frio and I'm very glad that I got it done. It won't help me overall in the final tipping scores. I have no chance of catching Shorty, but it was awesome. Frio pulled off a great win and they've kept their door slightly open for finals. I know it's a tough ass. They still need to rely on a few losses from a couple of teams to, to have a chance to just sneak in there, but they were outstanding from get-go they started off so sharp it was actually the highest first quarter score of any team this year eight goals two behinds and it was accuracy that helped them do that too this is a team that has struggled with accuracy all of this year it's been one of the key factors that's kind of not been helping them um another key factor i think is also the tall targets up forward i think we said it you know a few weeks ago that they were going to really love getting tabina back in the side and and boy, have that. He kicked three this week, which is a modest <laughs> tally, but I still think it's it's an impressive tally for a, for a key forward to still get. His past four games since he's come back from injury have been two goals, three goals, one goal, and then three goals as well tonight. So I think he's actually really helping that team get their structure uh, and kind of build it. You kind of imagine what would happen if Jesse Hogan had stuck around and was mm. <laughs> injury-free. But uh, I think that's we can all wish upon a star sometimes. Um, but speaking of stars, uh, Brayshaw, who we've been touting, was obviously suspended last week. So him not playing has actually given room to shine. And the man you were talking about with the goal of the year, Sarong, it wasn't just a, a fluke goal that he kicked in the game. He was an absolute star. 32 touches and two goals, including mm, that contender. Big. I think he's been I think he's been majorly underrated. We've said his name a few times in the pod, but in the, compared to the likes of Brayshaw and, and Chera, I think he kind of hasn't been getting the plaudits he deserves as arguably, I think, a superstar midfielder that will help carry this team a really long way. And just before I move on to other aspects of the game, boys, I want to know what you think of, uh, of this Frio side and and particularly Sarong's game as well as a player. Sarong, like you mentioned, has just been given that you know air to breathe now and they certainly do have a very strong young midfield at, at the Dockers. And it, I honestly didn't see it coming. I thought uh, the Eagles had found some great form against the the lightning strike game the week before against the Demons. And I thought they were going to get the job done. But yeah, Frio, fantastic. They've, they're still quite injured. They've lost a lot of games this year just purely on injury. But yeah, really, really strong from uh, the Dockers. But it probably leads to more questions to the Eagles and what the Eagles are doing, to be honest, Chuck. It, it definitely does. And, and like you said last week against the, the D's, that they did make a bit of a comeback near the end there to kind of bring it in. But I got to say, I think we're all really disappointed with the way that the Eagles have been performing this year, particularly. Um, they've, they've pretty much choked this, this year um, to, to an extent in the end of the year. They started out pretty reasonably. And, and I was eating my words after saying I thought that they were going to slump down the ladder. But here they come and they've, they've just fallen apart. And to be honest, they've had Luke Shuey come back into for the mids this week for this game. So he was coming back after a bit of a stint out, I believe. And it just wasn't any good. They arguably have the best midfield in the comp, at least on paper. 
everyone says it. They always go, oh, look, they got Nick Nat in the ruck. He's a star. Then you've got the likes of Shuey, Gaff, who we know is a gun. Um, Tim Kelly, who came over from the Cats. I think Kelly had seven disposals. I don't know if he got injured or something. Because oh, how, how is this happening? I yeah, know he, I he, did, he did go off. He actually did his medial. So he's, he's going to be out for quite a while. Uh, with the, oh, so it is an yeah, immediately, he, yeah, he like quite um, hurt his knee. <laughs> but I, I don't know what, what to say about this side. This midfield should be amazing, but you've got the likes of Sheed, who, who is getting more ball than anybody, and Redden, who are stepping up. These guys should be the role players. They shouldn't be the ones carrying the, the, the mantle and doing all the hard work for them. Uh, I don't know what to say about this West Coast side. I, I just There's something wrong with them. Um, I think the forward line is is good. Is their forward line is one of the best. I do believe that. I think Kennedy's still got the talent in him. Darling is still a, a, a good, you know, reasonable key forward. Liam Ryan, we all know how exciting he can be. But when they got Elliot Yo back in the side in middle of the year, they got um, Shuey back in the side earlier in the year. They Everyone thought, all right, now they're going to get pumping. These guys are going to – I know Shuey got injured again, but they've fallen apart. I don't know what to say about this Eagles side. There's no excuses for why they're playing so poorly. Last year they had excuses out there. They were going, oh, you know, we're having to go into, you know, the isolation and on the Gold Coast hub and all the likes. We, we don't like it. And you've been able to play at home. This is a season where, where you know, it's in discussions that the grand final could be played in – you know, in, in Perth, this should be your moment to seize it. And you've gone and kicked yourself out of the eight. There's no way you're clawing back in. This is pathetic. It's disgusting. Um, and if any club should have people, you know, throwing stones at them, I think Eagles more than anyone should be copping it, Langers, to be honest. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Shots fired from Chucky, Chucky D there. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's probably not what we expected of the Eagles this year. And I think they sort of um, didn't realize where they were heading. Uh, and that's sort of the worst thing that can happen to a club is, you know, thinking you're going to push for the top four or top eight and, and falling flat. And I think tis that's actually what's happened to Richmond a lot this year. And we saw that, you know, pretty much the final nail in the coffin against the giants this week too. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I might have a few thoughts on the West Coast Fremantle game. Sorry to um, screw up your segue there, but no, no, uh, no, please. The, the West Coast. It was a, it was Eagles, a soft segue, so very soft. Well, um, very nice. I'll just I'll just read the cues there. Um, that, they're a bit of a they're a very conditional football side. They, they pick and choose uh, when when they play and when they go. Uh, they've had obviously seemingly some remarkable uh, attempted comebacks over the last couple of weeks. But haven't been able to really get the job done. Um, when the, their pressure was great in the third term, uh, West Coast, I think it was up 240 thereabouts, which is literally off the scales, um, the Fox Footy scale, which is I think is 220 plus. But so if they could bring more of that, they would actually be a decent side. And they started getting um, you know some contested ball and and stoppage, uh, field position and, and things like that. And they were. They were really challenging the Dockers, who got off to an amazing start. Um, the Eagles lost in the first term, but just allowing the Dockers to just walk out of stoppage and you know be able to have that ascendancy forward. And clearly, when you don't, when the team doesn't bring in pressure, and we'll discuss this with Geelong a bit later, 
and you know you're going to look pretty ordinary um you got to bring great effort and great intensity um every game and, and across four quarters especially but yeah i had west coast up the top of the ladder i, I thought you know we, we haven't seen tim kelly and nick nat together with you know the these great names um pretty much playing in perth for most you know, a good chunk of the year with no hub situations even though that sort of changed around a little bit in 2021 so i i had them finishing you know on, on top thinking they'd win every game at home and win a few away from home but uh yeah that they've um they've definitely shot themselves in the foot and yeah dockers uh, are exciting fife goes out then brayshaw stars and then brayshaw goes out and then uh you know sarong stars so that they've got some um you know exciting kids coming through which uh would delight justin longmuir and dockers fans uh alike there so just, just very disappointing that they've got a bit of an outdated game plan. Uh, it's a bit same, same about the list and doesn't seem like there's much youth coming through. There's some good solid players, you know, coming through, but there's not a lot that uh, are sort of helping the the old firm, the old brigade that, you know, your McGovern, your Reddens and Yo's, Kelly's, Nick Nats and, and the like. Um, Kennedy's getting, you know, older as well. So they've, um, they've got got some big decisions to make i think with their four or five disgraceful performances this year i think that just equals severe game style change or severe uh, personnel change that's that's what i think anyway but oh, i think i'll uh i'll go into your segue lanes do you want to set me up handball handball receive absolutely mate well we mentioned one king's how, dead how uh how disappointing the uh the eagles were and um yeah, the the lions, the lions, the tigers were just as disappointing and have been pretty disappointing. Continually disappointing, just like the MRO and uh, Chriso alike, David Teague and <laughs> anyone else I can think of at the moment. But it was uh, GWS by thirty nine points. This one's at Marvel and very clever by the Giants to take them to places they didn't want to go, and they did that metaphorically and physically on the field. So um, they were really good and. I suppose the main headline of this is the King is well and truly dead. Uh, they mathematically cannot make it unless Essendon somehow lose by 300 points or whatever it might be, but uh, doubt that will be the case. Um, and they would also have to beat Hawthorne as well, which I don't think they will do. But onto the game, uh, GWS put together their second masterclass in consecutive weeks to save their finals chances and their timing, they run absolutely perfectly that they the last two weeks has been the best two weeks of football I've seen um, yeah, for the whole year almost with, to play a side at the Cattery where no one ever wins there. And then GWS had 18 injuries, eight change, eight forced changes, I, I believe. Uh, and so many stars out to beat the Cats who are literally top two, top four, you know, at the top of their game to one ten of the last 11 to dismantle the Cats. I think that's an amazing performance. And then to do it again against... Uh, the previous grand finalist and winner um, in the last two weeks has been absolutely exceptional. They've taught everyone a lesson. <laughs> the big, the big heavyweights they've taught a lesson in consecutive weeks. They just they dismantled the Tigers and uh, with their dominance around the stoppage and their slick skills around the ground. If you have a look at you know GWS the last two Friday nights, their ability to hit targets is absolutely phenomenal. They, they barely miss targets and they've been really good in that um, facet of the game. They don't blaze away when they go inside 50 as well. They, they move the ball up methodically and they, they hit up targets and they made every post a winner. You, you see a lot of teams, they get the ball and then they win out of stoppage and blast it inside 50 and hope for the best. GWS pick a player and kick it to their advantage. 
Um, you think that wouldn't be rocket science, but apparently it is. And good on GWS about being able to execute um, percentage-based football. GWS's pressure, again, was a highlight. Uh, they were able to mitigate Richmond from moving the ball effectively. So many times they got um, caught in the chain and were able to sort of, you know, whether it was a, a tackle or, you know, um, a punch across the line, they were able to do that really well to stop the Tigers from taking it from one end to the other, D50 to 450. Taranto was enormous. Uh, the Toby Green role that was granted over the weekend, he kicked four goals too from 18 touches. He never kicked more than two goals in a game at AFL level and he he stood up big time and, Gee, he's, he's very handy there playing the, the Dustin Martin role, the Toby Green role, whatever you like. He, he was um, exceptional over the course of the night. May may have two two voters in a row or even a three in there. We'll, we'll see how the the, uh, the the decision makers and the voters, um, yeah. the umpire, who are the umpires, yep. <laughs> um, see how they go with that. Kelly signed a big contract, as we mentioned, off the top last you week. See, 32 yes. touches and 11 tackles. He's very good. Sure tried hard for the Tigers. Uh, racked Shorty. up 32. <laughs> Shorty just played for the Tigers last week. So, yeah, some um, yeah, another interesting result. 39 points flattered them. Uh, the Cats were up by 50 points uh, with a couple of minutes to go, literally two minutes to go when we played the Tigers recently. Giants were up by 51, uh, up against the Tigers, obviously, over the weekend. Kicked two goals in the final two minutes of the game. Uh, both, both games, uh, they're the Tigers, so... They, they definitely 10-plus goal losses for both those sides, but they managed to scrape it back to the 39 points. But, guys, who would have thought we would be seeing this? Yeah, it's it's crazy, isn't it? Like, there was signs all year, and we we spoke about how, how Richmond seemed to still be hovering around the eight when they'd lost six out of the last seven games at one point. And it finally, I think, has taken its toll. And the Giants, we mentioned it off the top, Chook, have managed to, to get a finals push out of nowhere after a horrible season of injuries. And now, honestly, they look like they could they could cause some real damage in finals. It, it's a crazy thing to say. I don't want to get my hopes up for them uh, on their behalf, but it, they're looking so good. It, it seems like, you know, the headlines are reading, wheels fall off, fall off the Ferrari. We were saying that in the podcast weeks, like multiple times we've said it this year, how they've looked atrocious and how they've ruined their chance at finals. They don't clearly want finals. And... These last two weeks, they've just done a task and looked absolutely fantastic. I, I don't know what else to say, but congratulations to them. And I was baffled, to be honest, the way that, you know, commentators were talking about the Tigers all the way up into like three-quarter time saying, oh, well, it'll be a tough one to get back from here, but can they do it? We've seen them do it before. And, and I can't believe it's taken until the second last round for, for people to realise that the Tigers well and truly just haven't been up to scratch this year. They've copped a lot of injuries and they've just haven't been, you know, performing that great. They've been humbled by a lot of teams this year. And, you know, I, I, I commend them on, on, you know, their efforts and actually trying some different things under the pressure, you know, Rioli coming, going down back has looked like a, a pretty impressive move, but I, I think they just kind of have to give up their losses. Obviously they can't make finals now. It's, it's time to maybe start going on some pub crawls and stuff. Oh, oh wait, no, don't do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Stay yes, on they're, the not, they're not uh, indifferent to a bit of off-field controversy, the Tigers, but just probably goes with their year. You know, they've just had the worst year on and on, not so much off the field, but definitely on the field and, you know, off-field, they've had some injuries and some other things happening too. But 
I certainly think they'll be able to bounce back next year, Tiz, and they'll they'll be right up there again for sure. Well, that was my next question, uh, which you've answered. Um, it was just kind of mine. Then is the Tigers dynasty over, Chuk? The Tigers dynasty is nowhere near over, in my opinion. They've still got a lot of young, very talented players in this side, and, and a lot of guys who'll be recovering and coming back from injury next year. You'd think with a full preseason under their belt. And, you know, a, a bit of uh, fire in the belly. I think they'll be going red hot. Um, if, if if not, then I'd be disappointed if they weren't able to come back and, and fight hard next year because there's still a lot of talent on that list. And I would hope that they're not already, they're not satisfied with three flags. They want to keep going. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just going to go and say that the dynasty is done and dusted. <laughs> Hopefully, they, they might still win a final two here or there. Uh, winning premierships is... It's pretty tough. You generally have a five-year period, um, you know, for, I suppose, if you want to call it dynasties. We, we're talking about, you know, Brisbane, um, Hawthorne, Geelong, and Richmond definitely come to mind where your absolute peak is for, five, you know, that five-year um, window. So, yeah, Dusty's getting a bit older. Cochran's getting older. Um, but, yeah, it'll be very interesting. They'll, they'll have to do some uh, pretty slick regeneration of the list and they probably gonna have to tinker their, their game plan that being carved up this year um, quite significantly. So, but obviously uh, kudos to the Giants being able to defeat the Tigers and the Cats at the Cattery the last two weeks. And um, that's where we're going to go next, I reckon, Lex. Absolutely. And it, this is a pretty good game actually in, in hindsight. The Cats got up by about 14 points and there wasn't a heap of talking points out of this game. Um so we'll get through it relatively quickly. But the Saints obviously started hot and have actually showed some great form in the second half of the year. The first half of the year just obviously has cost them so bad and they've just never been able to recover from there. King is just, he's not a future star. He's just a genuine star along with Ben. And the Cats looked at C early trying to control him. Uh, Blitzarves clearly has to be the main man back now to look after those taller forwards. And that was even without Stuart being out. Blitzarves just is the best tall defender we have and just has the, the no-house and the aerobic flexibility to be able to take these monster forwards. Dangerfield played one of the best games he's ever played. And along with Menegola, they potentially kept Geelong's season alive in the second quarter as it looked like it was slipping. It, it felt just from a feel, it felt like, you know, we look so vulnerable without Stuart and we look like we're all up in our heads and rattled at that news because it only really been confirmed just before the game. And St Kilda jumped us and we look like we were letting the season slip away and a loss would have been really damaging just to our momentum and our, and our mentality about, you know, where we're at. Stanley only gets spoken about when he plays poorly and his best games are a match with the best rucks in the game. And he clearly is Geelong's best ruckman. And he's integral to any chances the Cats have at a flag or winning finals. Stewart's loss, we spoke about it already, but it, I think it's been offset with Cameron's return. And he came back and you know kicked four and was really good as usual. There's no like-for-like replacement for Stewart at Geelong. And really, it's a combination of Henry and Buse combining to give you that intercept marking and that offensive running. And even then, it doesn't really you know, give up what, what Stuart was giving up. So, um, well, Tiz, what did you think of the game um, just quickly? And then we'll get Chuck's thoughts as well. It was a very stressful game, I must say. Um, if you're a neutral fan, you would have loved it because um, seeing the Cats not go, well, the Cattery is uh, what neutral fans would like to see, you know, been successful over a long period of time. But 
look, it was great fire back in the end. We, we don't want to be conceding those kinds of starts. Last two weeks, we conceded nine goals in the opening term. So we want to uh, definitely fix up that start because um, that's how you lose finals and how you, you know, miss your chance uh, with, with grand finals and premierships. Um, so that, that's obviously you know, a huge thing to, for us to look out for. So we need that pressure game going early. Once we flicked the switch and got our, you know, our contested ball and pressure game going and we got it on our terms, uh, then things started to look up. But credit to the Saints, uh, outside of a couple of mistakes in the, the final term, it could have very nearly gone the other way. Um, the Cats, a bit like Parkinson's Law, just uh, they, they find a way to complete the task in the time they have allocated for it. Yeah. Um, but they, yeah, look, credit to them to at least come back and do it. But um, I don't think that footy is going to stack up and beat uh, the you know teams like even Melbourne at, at our home ground. I don't think it will, will, um, will be enough to cut, cut it. Uh, but yeah, credit to the Saints. Like they, they played a really brave brand of footy. They took it on through the corridor. They, they lowered their eyes. And you know, when you when you convert well early, it definitely puts us under pressure. And they didn't do that last time, which to their um, you know, to their detriment, didn't go their way. And you know, it was it was literally off the back of Dangerfield and Menegal, as you said, that literally kept along in the game and were arguably the match winners for the Cats and and Jeremy Cameron as well. Stewart uh, being out, I think he is irreplaceable. Um, there, there is just no player like him, and that's why he's such a great player. I, I think, yeah, Blitzarf has to play full back, and I think Henry or Henderson, that drop-off intercept mark, we're going to lose a bit of that attacking, um, you know, um, ability, which is what he's in the – that's what he's in the side of, and that's why he's a great player because he has that excellent uh, intercept mark ability, and then he just takes off and he, he takes risks and he – a lot of his plays, a lot of goals from for Geelong are set up by his ability to intercept and take the game on. So, yeah, look, uh, good to get the win because we get top four solidified, but um, I want to be playing better than that in the next few weeks. So, um, What we all thought, well Chucky D? What do, you, what do you think, Chuck? I think the Cats looked pretty, yeah, rattled in that first quarter especially. And I do, I do think that can be attributed to how well King looked and I also think while Henry played pretty well on King, I think he's just a bit too short to be playing on him. And mm. I think, yeah, what you were saying in the likes of Blitz needs to be handling the big man every game, I think, in my opinion. I wonder whether they were just experimenting just to see if, if something were to happen, could they rely on, you know, the Henrys and the Collegiagenes to take on the big guys if it mattered, if it came down to it. Um but I think once this team settled, you need to have the Blitzavs and Henderson uh, combination there. And yes, Cameron was a key back in for this side. Um, it was very important to see him, you know, performing well. But I, you can't undervalue the importance of, I think, Isaac Smith is one of the most reliable players yeah, in the sure. side. He's always good at connecting, racking up disposals. And Lockie Henderson is an absolute gun this year. We all know he's been very formidable down back. He had 22 disposals at 100% efficiency, 16 what kicks. What a man. That, he, is, he played, and I know you can say it's those little chippy ones, but 100% efficiency is bloody hard to get when you get 22 disposals. So he's fantastic, and I want to double down on what you said about Stanley Langers before I've had my say. It's just that I've said it all year. I think Stanley has to be Geelong's ruckman. He's very clearly their number one ruckman at the moment. Um, and I'm very excited to see how the Cats – slowly bringing in more of their best 22 start to perform because I think the last few weeks have been affected by nice young role players having to step up to a level that they're not ready for yet. 
And I think the likes, you know, when you had Holmes, Guffrey, um, all these other youngsters that have just been kicked out of the side, no offence, Clark and the likes, but they weren't able to step up to that level that you need someone from someone like Isaac Smith and, and Henderson, the mature heads that know what they're mm. doing. Um, I still think this cat side can go plenty of places, even without Tom Stewart. And I'm excited to see how they go. Absolutely. There's some great yeah. points there, Chuck. And I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to Sav, uh, you know, get replaced by Gary Rowan uh, next week. That'll be, that'll be really good. <laughs> I think he'll be out through injury, but I reckon he might be back in the team at some stage, Tiz, especially if Blitzars is going to be moved back and Sav's going to be a bit more of that floating ruckman around the ground just to have that second uh, ruck that would be able to um, assist Stanley around the ground. But next up, we'll have Shorty's review of the Hawthorne and Bulldogs game after the break. G'day guys, I hope the pod's going quite well. Um, Shorty not at his best today, just uh, I think a few late nights have caught up with him and a massive uh, week of work has just got me feeling fairly buggered. But um, enjoy the pod, I'm going to have a look at the Hawks and the Dogs and strange old game this one, I mean it wasn't exactly one for the ages but gee Hawthorne getting rid of Clarko and (laughs) all of a sudden it's like he's just spitefully turned it on hasn't he? Just some massive results not just this week, but previously, which really makes you go, if Sammy Mitchell doesn't turn it on early, the credits are going to come. Um, you can almost see it already. You know, Mitchell lose a few games early next year and the faithful, they'll be angry. Um, they'll be saying, why did we get rid of Clarko? But probably for the dogs, you know, they're the latest top side to just have a bit of a stumble. Um, you know, we've seen it happen to pretty much every top side and it has you questioning them. I've still got a fair bit of faith in the dogs, but you know it, it will be interesting how they go about changing their structure for Bruce and that type of thing. But this this wasn't related to Bruce not being there. You know, clearly they were just beaten on the day. I mean, their numbers. You know, they still had some of their star players getting plenty of the pill. Maybe not to the same impact, but you know, I think the dogs will be all right. You know, in the end. I mean, they pulled back early in the game and you thought, oh, yeah, Hawks got a good start now. Now they'll just kick away, but went the other way. You know, it was tight for most of the game. But then, you know, once the final siren went in a good last quarter, it just had the, the Hawks well and truly clear, which was interesting. Daniel Howe probably played the best game of his career. I think Chad Wingard, you know, is finally playing his best stuff, um, a bit like Dugowie. You know, these guys are... Are more midfielders and a little bit forward, playing some great footy. Um, Lockie Bramble, he's a really nice selection. I think he was, was he a rookie or a late draft pick? Don't know where he came from, but he's playing some great stuff. And Tom Mitchell, you know, probably wasn't best on or anything today, um, at least this game, but I reckon he's not exactly a smoky, but I think he could be right up there in the brown low, maybe more than we think. Um I reckon most of the talk sort of wines Oliver Bontempelli, but I reckon this guy will be, be right in the mix. So, yeah, hope it's um, all going nicely for you guys. I'll, um, I'll talk to you guys soon. I'll be back with some tips. Cheers. So that was Shorty's thoughts on the Hawks and Dogs game. The Dogs are in a pretty precarious position. The Hawks are finishing off the year pretty strongly, and Chuck, you think the Dogs might bounce back next week? Yeah, I'm on the same opinion as I've had all this year and I've had my rants that I think any team can beat any side. So I think every every team has had their losses. Bulldogs are having their losses. 
now, but I don't doubt that they have an amazing deep midfield that can take it with the best at any moment, at any time. We've seen so many other clubs lose games we didn't think they could lose and then go out and smash a team a few weeks later. And I, I'm just raising the stakes. I know I'm going to get in early on this. I think Port Adelaide are going to get belted by the Bulldogs next week. I know we haven't got to the tips yet, but I'm just giving that thought real quick just because I think they're going to do it. The Dogs are going to be like, no, nah, we're not taking this from the haters and they're just going to smash it, I reckon. Oh, nice, Trill. Yeah, well, great performance by the Hawks. They had a great win against uh, the Brisbane Lions very recently. They were up by 50 points uh, in Tassie and um, they've put together a really good body of work. They've won three and a half out of the last five games and they've just playing a great brand of footy. They've got a really good mix around the ball and, um, yeah, their back, back six are holding up extremely well without Sicily and CJ and I feel like there's a few other guys in there that I can definitely mention, but um, they, they come to mind and, yeah, they're just giving um, yeah their forward line you know, some really good looks. They're doing well in the stoppage, and I think the dogs are they have absolutely been belted in stoppages the last two weeks, which is where we thought their strength was. And you know, the bombers um, kicks a, a bunch of goals from you know, out of stoppage, and again the hawks uh, taught them a lesson over the weekend, and you know, they're doing everything uh, in their wheelhouse to try and send Clarko out the right way. And uh, as I mentioned, yeah, three and a half out of the last five games, they drew with the D's as well, and. Um, yeah, taught the pies how to play footy, and yeah, they've, they've been in really good touch of late. But um, yeah, very yeah, concerns for the dogs. Um, yeah, I mean, Bruce, short hit the nail on the head there. Bruce being out wasn't the reason that they couldn't get it inside fifty. So it was great pressure and um, a great system from the Hawks. Uh, you know, midfield and backline not to allow them to get it inside fifty much. So some concerns for the dogs. I want to fix up their their stoppage because that's their weapon, and um, right now it's a liability. So. I need to fix that up uh, if they want to, you know, continue on their merry way into September. Do you want to take us through the rest of the round's games, Tears quickly, and then we'll get stuck into our tips? Absolutely, everybody. All right. So <laughs> Port Adelaide, they uh, they flicked the switch and demolished the Blues by 95 points in Mark Murphy's final game of football. Um, so a yeah, great career, Mark. And we probably, there was a bunch of retirements we could have mentioned off the top, but that's okay. Uh, they kicked the final 19 goals of the game, which is unbelievable. Uh, and an indictment on the Carlton Football Club. Brisbane eclipsed the Magpies at home by 85 points. Uh, North bravely fought back against the Sydney Swans, but they held firm to take home a 14-point win. Sydney, Melbourne scored a 41-point win against the Crows at the G. Uh, Bailey Fritch was excellent in the in that game, kicking seven with four in the final term, did a great job. Essendon uh, sneak into the eight with a demolition job against the Suns at uh, the Cattery at GMHBA Stadium. So they took home the points there by 68, um, took them to the cleaners. So, yeah, that, that sort of sums up a little bit of what's been happening and some more breaking news on, on the Carlton front, uh, Chook. Uh, yeah, I believe uh, old mate Eddie Betts has joined Mark Murphy and, and he's decided to uh, hang up the boots. It's been It's about time for him and I, I think we've, you know, heard a bit from him in the media that it has taken uh, a toll, you know, some of the things that he's had to put up for, with um, over the, the past season and, and a bit. But it also is at that age, you know, he, he's played probably his best foot he is behind him. And while he still has a bag of tricks, it's probably about time that he, he made way for some of the young youngsters. But I could see a, a red-hot career in, in the media for him down the track as well. 
Absolutely. He's been, you know, he's been one of those players that just transcends football and regardless of who he plays for, he's just loved by all and we'll miss him dearly. He's been one of the, the trickest players we've seen ever, one of the greatest small forwards and he's arguably had more of an impact off the field than he has on the field with, with how amazing his words are and he's genuinely an, an inspiring figure of the football and wider community. So we'll get stuck into the tips of round 23. Tiz, I'll uh, take the reins from here and I'll ask you guys the hard questions about who I think or who you think will be winning the games in the last round. We'll literally literally not know the makeup of the finals until the last game is run and done. So first up on the Friday night, we've got the Dogs taking on Port Adelaide at Marvel Stadium. And Tiz, who have you got? All right, that's at Marvel, so that helps me decide with the. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, do you want to ask Chuck first, and I'll have a think about it. Chuck, you were pretty strong before, and your thoughts that the dogs were going to bounce back. Yeah, so I'm tipping Port Adelaide. No, I'm tipping the dogs. <laughs> I'm fairly confident the dogs will get it done. Oh, um, I'm locking them in. Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to go Port Adelaide. <laughs> Um, they've been in great touch of late. They haven't played a lot of great sides, I must admit. So, um, yeah, I mean, GWS is not a bad win. But, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go Port. It might be an upset, and I'm going to be pretty upset here in this round for just just to be crazy, you know. I'm also going Port. Is I think they could be the sleeper of the final series this year, and they're literally peaking at the right time. No one's talked about them all year, and it might be time to start talking about them if they beat the Dogs. Next up, we've got the Blues taking on the Giants, just based on my uh, little guide here. I don't think this is in order, but this game should okay. be at Marvel Stadium as well. Tis, Giants or Blues? Sorry, Langs. I'm just having a look at the AFL website, and unless the AFL is wrong in terms of the... Uh, but, so they've got the Saturday night game as Carlton and GWS. Yeah, yeah the, that's correct. The other, the so other we'll, Saturday just, night we'll just game. go with that. So just... I'll, right, I'll, I'll, I'll go with Lang's. I'll go with Lang's schedule. Um, yeah, I will go GWS comfortably. Yeah, I'll back the Giants in as well. I think the Giants for me as well, looking good going into finals. Next up, I think the three twenty Sunday game is Essendon and Collingwood at the Melbourne Cricket Venue. I will go the Bombers in this game. They are looking the goods and probably have to win it. So um, the Pies, it's a dead rubber game for them. Yeah, the Bombers need it for finals. So I think the Bombers will take it. The Saturday afternoon, I think, Richmond versus Hawthorne at the MCG. I like the Hawks on, in this game. They've been yeah, really impressive of late. Three and a half out of the last five wins. Uh, and they'll do it for Clark, I reckon. Yep. I'll get on the oh, I'll get on the Hawthorne bandwagon here. I reckon they'll get mm. it done. Um, I should have mentioned I'm going the Bombers also in the previous game, but I will also be going the Hawks here as well. I reckon they've just been in much better form and less injured, surprisingly. Uh, next up, I think this is a Sunday game as well. St Kilda taking on Fremantle at Marvel. Okay, at Marvel. I uh, like the Saints. Yeah, the Dockers tend to not. Oh, yeah, well, I think that it means a lot more to the Dockers. Uh, go for a chook. I'll, I'll have a think on it. I haven't really looked at these games. <laughs> <yet>. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep giving it to me. Um, yeah. I think they both got a, a bit to fight for. I don't think finals is really on the cards. I know Freeman will have the door slightly ajar, but St. Kilda have looked a lot better. But oh, I think Freeman will get it done with a- Andy Brayshaw coming back into the side. 
Yeah, I think. Oh, sorry, Chiefs after you. Uh, yeah, looking looking at the Saints here at Marvel, they they're generally they love the fast track there. Their pressure's been really good of late. Um, but in saying that, they've got nothing to play for. But yeah, I'll go the Saints. <laughs> uh, I reckon Dockers for me here. They've that that win last week was was amazing, and I think that's going to spur them on into next year, even if they don't make finals. Next up, we've got the Swans and the Suns at the SC. Well, it says the SCG, but it's definitely not. I think it's safe to say Swans all around Marvel. here. It yeah, is a Marvel Swans will get it done, I reckon. Swidney Swans for more one. Swidney. Uh, the Adelaide Crows and the North Melbourne Kangaroos. This one says it's at the Adelaide Oval. Yep. Yep, it says that on the AFL website Sunday as well. afternoon. I will be backing the Crows for myself. Oh, for some reason, I thought it was the 2017 Adelaide Crows, and I was yeah. immediately Adelaide. But uh, yeah, yeah, the Crows to get, uh, yeah, Adelaide, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still, I'm sticking with the Roos here. They're, they've been much better, I think, than the Crows. And the Crows were good in the first quarter against the Demons, but then faded out really late. And I think they're, uh, they're just sort of waiting till the end of the season now. And North will want to finish strong. Uh, this game is the, one of the spicy ones. The Cats are coming up against the D's at GMHBA Stadium on a Saturday night. Tiz, what are your thoughts on this one? Melbourne. Wow. Melbourne's oh, a wow. Yep. Against his side. Uh, I'll back in the Cats here. Yeah, I think I've got to back the Cats in as well, Tiz. Um, if we'd lost the St Kilda game, I don't think that we would have won this, had any chance of winning this game. Melbourne looked to be getting Tom McDonald, Stephen May and Jack Viney back, which is obviously huge right. ins, but we got to back wow. uh, the Cats at Geelong. We don't often lose, you know, multiple games in Geelong in one season. And yeah, the last game I- we've got here is Brisbane and the West Coast Eagles. This one should be a pretty close game as well, but what are your thoughts? Close. Brad. Brisbane West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'll be going the Lions very comfortably here <laughs> at the Gabba. I'll, I'll be going the Lions. Uh, I think they'll get it done. They're, they're looking to be also informed, similar to the Giants and the likes. They, they're kind of performing a bit later in the season. And uh, Langers, I think you've really rattled Tiz with the order that you did. <laughs> yeah, look, I just go there. off the uh, ESPN footy tipping app, which I tip on because I normally do my tips as we're looking at it. But um, I think the Lions for me here, they'll want to finish strongly going into the, the last game of the season and into finals. And the West Coast, as you mentioned before, Chook might be just finishing up their, their current list as it is. So that wraps us up for this week. We're going to have a massive uh, review of next week and then uh, a finals preview uh, going into the first week of finals, it's going to be huge. There'll obviously be some massive games next week, and we might only touch on the ones that are relevant to the finals, maybe a couple of big ones, the Port versus Dogs and Melbourne versus Geelong seem to be the top four movers and shakers. Chook, thank you for joining me. Oh, it's glad to be back again, boys. <laughs> and Tiz, always a pleasure to have you. Thanks, gentlemen. Appreciate your time. Uh, make sure, guys, if you're listening, you're commenting, liking, and subscribing on all of our platforms. We'll have some awesome visual content coming up towards the end of the season. And as always, we'd love to hear your comments and thoughts and anything you have to add towards the discussion. So thank you guys for listening, and you'll catch us next week. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Twitter. AFL Unlimited, because footy is limitless. <laughs>